Amen and good morning. Wow, it's awesome. Forever a holy God. <clears throat> Blessing. Got some amazing praises to talk about this morning. Uh, while I get started on that, we're going to be on page 725, 725 in the church Bible. You saw him 150. Uh, real quick, we're still lifting up uh, Allie, who is Susan's niece. <clears throat> She's still in I think Fort Worth area having, I think she had brain tumor surgery already and she's looking at some rehab and maybe some other treatments after that so we'll continue to to pray for her for Allie um, Joe is still dealing Joe Placencia is still dealing with his upper respiratory so we'll keep him in our prayers this week that the Lord will, will heal him um, you know we got some praises to talk about um, Raul's been in the ER earlier in the week with chest pains and the Lord showed up and nothing showed up on the x-rays or the test. Amen. That's amazing, Lord. Thank you. That is amazing. Um, we'll, I think he's got a stiff neck today. We'll kind of pray for that to get a little better. Got a crick in his neck. And John, our new friend here, is with us today. He's been in the hospital with some issues with his leg and his foot, and the Lord has provided some healing there, and the doctors were amazed, and we bless the Lord. Every time the doctors are amazed, that's what we love to see. That, that means God is working. So, um, Anyway, we're uh, just thrilled about all those things. Oh, and I think it's important to remember that God has provided some transportation needs for our church family in the last couple of weeks or so. And, and that's just a reminder to me that these things of this earth wear out. Cars wear out, and they, they go away, and they turn to rust. Um, but what we learn right here is forever, and that's what I think we need to be reminded of today as we read Psalm 150. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for the way you continue to show yourself um, to all of us through things that we come to you with, Lord, with physical needs, um, Lord, all needs, Lord, spiritual needs. Father, we know these things of this world are all physical, even the healing you give us are physical. But Lord, what we pray is that it will increase our testimony as we see you do these miracles and these works and wonders. So I praise you for that, that you have increased testimonies. Uh, Lord, in our church family in the last two or three weeks. We continue to lift up these that are hurting and, and fighting physical ailment. Even through their healing, Lord Jesus, I pray that they would be drawn close to you and they would be made whole physically and spiritually, Lord Jesus, that you would work. That's, that's always why you did works and wonders, was to draw people to you in your name. And we know that's even true today. So I pray, God, that we never get caught up on the things of the physical, but we can always be reminded that you want to work in our hearts and lead us spiritually. We bless you for that. Thank you, Lord, that we can come to you today. We can read this psalm that reminds us how to praise you. Everything that has breath, Lord Jesus, I pray, as we praise you this morning, that we can praise you reminded of who and how mighty you are. What an amazing God we worship. We bless you. All glory to you. We pray today in all these things that we've mentioned. 
In your name we pray. Amen.
together with the angels and the saints, we bow before your throne to declare holy, holy. Kadosh, Kadosh. There is none like you, O Lord. Righteous and mighty 
Good morning. Well, I'm excited about the message that the Lord has today, and I want to um, share with you that um, these songs just uh, flood my soul because God's holiness is something I think we struggle to hold on to and to understand fully what it means to know and, and to love a holy God. So I pray today that we have some understanding to that place. We're going to continue in Romans, the book of Romans. We're on page 1305 if you're in the uh, church Bibles. Page 1305, Romans 12. <clears throat> We've been in Romans for about eight months. This is the starting of nine months. And Paul has helped us to understand many truths, and I love the place that he has for us today. So starting in verse 1 of chapter 12, Paul writes, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, 
And then he explains this place, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So Paul is writing to brethren, to people that have committed their life to Jesus. And he calls them brethren, brothers and sisters in Christ. And he says, I beseech you, he is crying out to them that they would hear what he is about to say. <clears throat> and he says, I beseech you, therefore. The reason he's saying therefore is because he wants us to remember all the things that he's taught in chapter 1 all the way through chapter 11. And so I was just making a note of these things because I want you to understand when he says, by the mercies of God, this is what he's talking about. Paul has been bringing forth out of chapter 1 and chapter 2 and chapter 3, all the way through chapter 11, the mercies of God. And so I just wrote down a few of the things that he has brought to our understanding through these chapters. And, of course, the very first one that comes to mind is the whole book of Romans. Paul is writing about God's plan of redemption, how God makes mankind who has fallen into sin, how he makes them righteous before a holy God. How God makes us righteous before him. That's the main theme of Romans. <clears throat> and then he, uh, and by the way, you remember, this place of righteous means to be in right standing. It's a little warm in here, thank you. And in right standing with God. That's what it means to be made righteous. <clears throat> And he also tells us through these chapters, he talks to us about the deliverance that God has placed for mankind to be delivered from the darkness that we might could stand in righteousness. The payment of this debt because of our sin. In Romans, Paul reminds us that this gift that God is giving us of redemption and of righteousness comes as a gift. It doesn't come by works, but it comes as a gift. And he also reminds us that he has set his spirit to dwell within us and create in us a new creation. And he gives life to these mortal bodies, eternal life. He also reminds us that we are grafted in to the remnant of his plan. These are the mercies of God. Roman is packed full of the mercies of God. And Paul is writing to us here, and he says, understanding all of these things, therefore, because of what 
we have learned because of these great gifts that God has given us. Then he wants you to understand, therefore, this should happen. And he's saying, therefore, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Because you have received the gifts that God has given out of his great mercy, therefore, live a life surrendered and sacrificed to him a living sacrifice and then if you'll notice there's a comma because Paul wants to define a little bit what that living sacrifice looks like and the first thing he says is it's holy holy and I want to I want to just touch base with you a second I'm sorry this keeps popping. I think this didn't get connected correctly. Hmm. Thank you. I know that's annoying, so Lord, we ask that you would stop these places. Holy. Paul is saying to present your bodies as living sacrifice. And then he's explaining what that would look like. And he says that should look like holiness. Acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And this word reasonable service means really logical. That it would be your logical thing that you would do because of God's great mercies that you have received. So I want to look at this word holy. What does it mean that we would present our bodies as living sacrifices that would be holy? And when I was thinking about this, I went back first to this place of holy God. What does it mean when we say that God is holy? Sometimes in our mind, we have this idea that God is pure, and he is, and that's true, but that's not really what holy is meaning. Holy means to be set apart, to be separated, to be set apart from everything. God himself is set apart from everything you know. Nothing can be on his level. Nothing. He's set apart. He's separated from everything. Everything he created, everything we see, everything we know, even the things that we say are good, he is set apart from that. So when we were singing these songs of holiness here, I just, uh, my heart was just crying out. For you to understand what we were singing. That he is holy, holy, holy. Paul Wilbur sings that song and he, he speaks the Hebrew word kadosh. Kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. Holy, separated, separated 
out. With that understanding, how does this, what does this mean when Paul says that our living sacrifice should be holy? He's saying to us that we should be set apart, that we should be separated, that we shouldn't look like the world. He's saying to us that with the understanding of our God being holy, that with that understanding of being separated, our lives should reflect that understanding as best we can. Our lives should be our actions, our words, our thoughts, should be a living sacrifice. It's interesting, if you'll notice right here in the middle of verse 1, it says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Paul is taking the understanding back to the Jewish sacrifices of offering. What he is saying, present your body, he's saying offer your body as they would come and offer a sacrifice, a lamb without blemish, without spot. In an offering to the Lord, it was set apart for the Lord. It was designated for the Lord. That's what he's calling us to be, that our bodies should be designated. Our bodies should be set apart. Our lives should be an offering, reflecting his holiness. Many years ago, God began to show me a place right when he touched my life. And, I, and you know this story, many of you do, but I was baptized at the age of 12. And I went down front and I said a prayer. They said, say this prayer. I said this prayer. And I was baptized and I thought I had joined the club. I thought I was in. But my life did not reflect this place that Paul is writing about. You see, what I did is I made Jesus Savior of my life. I didn't want to go to hell. I wanted to join that club, and I wanted him to be my Savior. But I didn't ever understand and read the Bible that would open my understanding to help me see that not only does Jesus require that we receive him as Savior, but as Lord, as the Christ. And in that place, making him Lord means exactly what Paul is writing here, that we would present our body as a living sacrifice to him as Lord. In my little um, 
Bible here out to the side where it says present your body as a living sacrifice. I have written the words, make Jesus Lord. You see, Jesus is Lord, but not all of us choose to make him Lord of our life. Master. Lord means master, that he is master over your life. Whatever his will is, whatever his ways are, whatever his commandments are, they would rule. But that wasn't the way it was when I was baptized at 12. I just joined the club, I thought, and I tootled on my own way. I was baptized many years later in a Baptist church at about 40-ish to join a church had nothing to do with making Jesus Lord and again I didn't I continued to live my own life doing my own ways I was a pretty good person in my own uh, thoughts about myself I didn't do I didn't shoot anybody I didn't murder anybody so in my idea, I was a pretty good person. I didn't really try to cheat people out of things. and I had a list of what would make me good. And if I looked around, I could always justify myself by someone that was not as good as I was. But Paul is not looking in these terms because he's been helping us see that this is not the life that is surrendered to Jesus. And he's summing up all of these things that he's been teaching us in chapters 1 through 11 to help us to understand that because of this great gift he has given us, we must. You see, he doesn't say you should. He doesn't say it would be good if you did. He says present. Offer yourself. Because of the mercies, it says, by the mercies of God that you present your body a living sacrifice. I didn't understand that for many years. But at 52, God changed my life. And what happened at 52 is the God that I had in my understanding that was off somewhere in the clouds, above the clouds, doing whatever God does until the day that we die, and then we'll go and live in heaven. That world vanished. And the great I am became real to me. He was no longer a God living somewhere far off, but he was a God who had died on a cross for me. And that became so real to me that I did receive the gifts that he had. The gift of redemption, the gift of paying the price for my penalty, for my sin. The coming to dwell within me to live within me the gift of this Holy Spirit 
the promise of eternal life. All of these great mercies became so real to me that my heart cried out, Jesus, I want you to be Lord. I didn't understand the fullness of what that meant, but I, at that moment in time, wanted Jesus to be real in my life and to truly reign in my life, to lead me. I, I, I didn't even understand what it meant that he would come and lead me, but I do today that he desires to lead me, lead me only if I am surrendered and bowed down to him. Then he leads me. You see, most of my life before this age of 52, I would have said Jesus led my life because if good things happen, I was like, yes, Jesus is doing these things. And if bad things happen, I was like, well, the devil's just, you know, having a battle in my life. It had nothing to do with my walk. But that's not what Paul is saying. He's saying it has a lot to do with your walk. And he goes on to help us to understand in verse 2, he says this place of presenting your body as a living sacrifice <clears throat> comes looking like this package, and he's going to help us to understand he says, do not and do not be conformed to the world. He's saying, if you are coming and presenting your body as a living sacrifice, if you are in fact making Jesus Lord of your life, you can't conform to the world. You can't be a part of the world. You can't identify with the world. You can't fit into the world. He doesn't say, you know, most of the time this should be the way it is. He doesn't say that. He says, do not conform to the world. There's a couple of scriptures he led me to. I want to share with you. Let me see if I can give you a page number. <clears throat> well, I don't think I've even written that one down that... Um, but it's in 1 John. I'll get you a page. Oh, here it is. Page 1399. 1399, 1 John. And John is writing in much the same way that Paul is writing. Page 1399, 1 John, chapter 2. Verse 15, and John writes and he says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world. So when Paul is writing and says you cannot be conformed to the world, he's coming with this understanding that John's writing and he says, do not love the world or the things in the world. 
I'm telling you, that is a high calling if you are honest with yourself. We love the world, don't we? And we love most of the things in the world. And we think God has given us these wonderful things, and therefore we should love them. But you see, they're deceptive. They deceive us. They draw us into darkness, and they bring us into the lust of the flesh. I need more things. I want more things. I love how that looks. The lust of the eyes and the pride of life. I deserve that. And yet it says that this is not of the Father. But what strikes me most is what it says in 15. It says, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Paul is awakening awakening us to this understanding that to sacrifice your body to the Lord, to dedicate your body to the Lord, to make him Lord of your life, means you can't have your eyes and your thoughts and your wants tied up in this world. There was a song, I've been hearing it all week, and um, it's called Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And it says, the things of this world will grow dim, strangely dim, in the light of his glory and grace. It's so true. Turn your eyes to Jesus. That's what Paul is writing. That's what John is writing. When you think you need all that's around you and all that the world offers, turn your eyes to him. Back in Romans on page 1305, Romans 12, I want you to put your marker there. because we're going to be back and forth. So put a piece of paper or something in Romans 12, and then turn a few pages back to Romans 6. Romans 6, it's on page uh, starting in verse 11, and Paul writes, Likewise, you also reckon yourself to be, that means consider, consider yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies that you should obey it in its lust. You see, he's saying that if you are a brethren, If you claim to be a Christian, then these actions are going to be present in your life. That you would be dead to sin, and sin would no more, no longer reign in your body. Let's 
let's turn to um, 2 Timothy. It's on page 1368. Second Timothy chapter four. <clears throat> Paul is writing to Timothy and encouraging him in many places in first and second Timothy. But in verse nine, I want you to look at this. He writes to Timothy and he says, Be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. And he's departed. You see, one that was following after Jesus, one who would say he had made Jesus Lord of his life, one who was walking hand in hand with Paul, one who was a servant one who had claimed Jesus. But Paul says he's left. And why is he left? He loved this world. He took his eyes off of Jesus. And he looked around to see what all the world might offer. And he forgot about all of the mercies and the grace and the gifts that God had poured out on him. It's concerning and tragic. The last scripture I want to look at is 1 Peter. And it's on page 1391. <clears throat> First Peter 1, chapter 1, verse 13. Peter is writing, and you can see he has the same understanding that John and Paul have. He says, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And then he describes this. He says, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct, in all your conduct. Be obedient children not conforming yourself to the former lusts, the former world, the things that you used to do. And he says, as in your ignorance. You were ignorant then. You didn't even understand. It's so true. My life didn't reflect Jesus because I didn't understand. But when he touched my life, I could see clearly who he was. And he was deserving of all praise and all worship. Verse 15 here in Peter, he says, But as he who called you is holy, as God is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. That is a strong calling. 
It doesn't say most of the time do the best you can. It doesn't say we all sin and fall short. No, he knows that. You have sinned and you have fallen short and now he has called you and he's called you into a life of presenting your life as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Turn back to the place we had marked in Romans chapter 12 on page 1305. In verse 2, he says, not only do you not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He says, it's not enough that you don't conform to this world. It's not enough. But you also have to be transformed, changed totally changed by the renewing of your mind because it is our mind that drags us off and gets us into trouble it brings the lust of the eyes it brings the the pride of life it brings the lust of this world our minds and he says be transformed be changed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God you see what Paul is saying is that all of these things are not for you so that you will feel better about life so that you will have things better for yourself they are about his perfect will and your living sacrifice of your life should reflect his perfect will for your life which reflects him in his holiness renew your mind and he's saying for one purpose, that it may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Paul is saying that because of all the great mercies that God has had on you and on me, that our logical service to him would be to live a life that reflects his perfect will. I want to share with you a couple of scriptures. Look at Ephesians 4. You can keep your marker here and go to Ephesians 4 on page 1345. <clears throat> Ephesians 4, page 
starting in verse 22. Paul is writing that truth is in Jesus that you should put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God. You see, his perfect will in true righteousness and holiness. Paul is writing and he's saying, do away with this old man that grows corrupt, more corrupt, more corrupt, more corrupt. Darker and darker and darker. Because of the deceitful lust that the old man has. And he's saying, but be renewed by the spirit that can work in your mind and renew your mind. And that you would become a new man created according to God, his will, in true righteousness and holiness. And then Paul leads us into a whole lot of places that he says, put away lying and put away sexual immorality and and corrupt thinking and corrupt words and bitterness and he leads us into all the things that the flesh wants to be a part of and he says you can't do that you have to be a new man you see all of these things are places where God allows us to see these things to test to see where we really are. That's why Paul says, brethren, he's saying if you're in this place and you have received this, your life is going to reflect this. And if it doesn't, you should be concerned. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians, page 1359. Looking uh, at verse 22, chapter 5, verse 22. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22. And Paul writes, he says, Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is saying, abstain from every form of evil, everything. And he's saying, sanctify, be sanctified, and may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body, every part of you, be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's writing this as believers come and give their life to Christ. He's saying this should be something that you're doing today and should last until Jesus comes back and draws you home. 
It's not just for the day you gave your life to Christ. It should be a place that you are being sanctified every day. You know, as I looked at this place and, and I said, Lord, I see you say that not to conform to the old world, but to be transformed. And what would you say? How to do that? How are you to be able to tr be transformed? I want to be transformed. How do you do that? And the Lord was so faithful to me last night, he answered it for me. And he said, do you not see? And he took me back to my favorite chapter in the whole Bible. If Abigail was here, she would say, well, Granny, your favorite book is Leviticus. And I would say it's true, but my favorite chapter is in John. And my favorite chapter is in John, and it's uh, chapter 17 on page 1245. And if you want a place to read, this is a great place to read this week. Because what I want you to see is that Paul and Peter and John, in their writings of their books, were taking their understanding from Jesus. So I want to start reading in verse 14. By the way, just a little understanding about chapter 17. Jesus is talking with his disciples right before he is crucified, right before he is taken uh, into the garden and then led away by the soldiers. His last opportunity to truly speak with his disciples, these are the things he wants to say. That's why I love this chapter. I love this chapter. You'll see, <clears throat> starting in verse 14, he says, And I have given them, he's talking to the Father, he's praying. So he's praying over chapter 17, verse 14. And he's praying over his disciples. So he's talking to God. You hear me? Jesus, in this conversation with God. Wow. How powerful that is. And his disciples are all sitting here. And he says, I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world. They've been separated. Do you see it? They've been set apart. They've been transformed in the renewing of their minds. They're not a part of the world. Just as I am not of the world. You see, he was set apart. I do not pray that you, God, should take them out of this world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. What I love about this right here is Jesus says, I know you have a purpose for them to be in this world. You're using them. So I, I'm not asking you to take them out of this world. But the evil is still going to be here. I'm asking you to keep them. That word to keep them, to guard them, to protect them. So in these places where we still make choices that are against the will of God and the purpose for God, he was trying to protect you. But you chose, and he will always allow you to have your free will. But I promise you, he was trying to guard you. He was trying to protect you. 
verse 16 says, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And then he says the most powerful thing. He says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Your word is truth. Your word is truth. He goes on, he says, As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Sanctify them by the truth. And then he says, the truth is my word. So the Lord began to show me. He said, you know, sanctified, holy. Sanctified means holy. Sanctified means set apart. How do you get to a place of being sanctified? It's through his word. How do you get to holiness? It's through his word. It's through his word. I saw in the scripture where he said truth separates us from the world. They've been sanctified in truth and they're separated from the world. His word separates you from the world. His word, his word transforms your mind. heard someone the other day said if people read the Bible as much as they look at social media how many people would be transformed so I understand this place today that Paul is calling us and he's saying because of all the great mercies that God has done for you, then if you've truly become a brethren, if you've truly become a brother and sister in Christ, if you've truly bowed the knee to Jesus, if you've truly made him Lord, you can no longer conform to the world and your life will reflect a transformed mind renewed by his word holy sanctified set apart by his word you see where Paul was getting this understanding comes right from Jesus he says you want to be sanctified you have to be in his word Jesus says, I've given them your word. He says, I've brought your word to them. And this has brought them separate from the world. Did you hear that while ago? They're not a part of the world because I've brought your word to them. And they've received it. It's funny, this message would come as we start a new year. As we come together for the first time in 2024. 
And I couldn't help but laugh at how God so perfectly sets things in order. Because he caused us to be right here on this day. And I saw it so clearly that the world has all been making their New Year's resolutions. Their New Year promises, I'm going to do this better, I'm going to do that better, I'm going to do something else over here better. And, they, and they've made all these worldly promises that are empty and have no meaning, and most of them will never be kept. And even if they are, it doesn't matter. But I see that he's brought us here today to be a set apart from the world, to align with his word, that you would commit today to make him Lord and to be sanctified made holy by his word. That you would commit today, not to me, not to the world, but to him. That you want to be in his word, that your mind could be renewed, and that you could be a witness of his perfect will, holy and set apart. So I felt like the message that God has brought us to conclusion here is that very place. Will you choose to be changed by his word, the reading of his word? I'm not talking about Christian books. There's a lot of good ones I'm sure out there. I'm not talking about that. That doesn't count. I'm not talking about devotionals. Devotionals come with one or two verses that are usually taken out of context with somebody else's opinion. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being transformed by the reading of God's word. about to be 72 in a few few months 20 years ago in darkness that I could not even imagine how I got there with a life that reflected nothing of Jesus even though I was good. It had no merit. He, in his great mercies, touched my life. And I want to be sanctified and transformed into a life That is a living sacrifice. Not conforming to this world. But being transformed by 
the renewing of my mind. That my service might be seen acceptable and holy to him. This comes only, only as Jesus said, being sanctified in his word. I challenge you today to walk into the deep waters with Jesus and to get in his word every day committed to his holiness and to him be the glory our elders will be in the back if there's any place that someone is needing prayer we are anxious and willing to stand with you I pray this word because of his power and authority will transform you today
Search me and know. 